nothing. A big nothing happened. So we're back right back where we started. Now, but when something was supposed to happen and nothing happened, that's something happening. What? What blew my mind? Mm. So the president the, the, the gave pres- a speech last night. If the president had declared a national emergency, okay, something different has occurred here. Yeah. Now we're into a different territory. But he didn't. He restated the arguments. Chuck and Nancy restated the arguments, looking like wooden Indians. And uh, and we're right back where we were yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that's a pretty good uh, assessment of it. Let's talk about the situation, the shutdown, the immigration, the wall, etc. With Lonnie Chen, who is uh, a David and Diane Steffi Research Fellow at the Hoover Institution, also Director of Domestic Policy Studies, lecturer in the Public Policy Program at Stanford University. Uh, Lonnie, how are you, sir? Hey, guys. Good morning. I'm doing well. Happy New Year. Oh, thank you. Yeah, same to you. It's always a pleasure to talk. So, listen, uh, politics is so tiresome um, uh, to me right now. The president made his statement. It was fine. Uh, two of the, well, the two most powerful legislatures, or two of the three in the country, gave their response. And to me, it was a big nothing. I don't Are we wrong? What was your assessment of what happened last night? No, look, I, I completely agree. If you were to look up nothing burger in the dictionary, you would see <laughs> a picture of the president's speech last night. I mean, he, he, it was really, you know, and, and I don't know that we should have expected too much more because the alternative would have created a lot more controversy. But the, the situation is no closer to being resolved today than it was yesterday. And, you know, a few weeks ago, actually last week, I was in Washington and had a conversation with a bunch of different lawmakers, and and a number of them expected the shutdown to go months. And at the time, I was a little confused as to why they said that, but now it's becoming abundantly clear why that is, because both sides have positions that the other side is not willing to acknowledge even as being fundamentally legitimate. And when you have that kind of a posture, it's very difficult to resolve any kind of conflict in politics or otherwise. Uh, You've combined the fact that there's, like, no common ground for for them to come to a... uh a reasonable end to this with the fact that the whole government shutdown card has been played so many times. I don't think it has near as much an effect on people as both sides think. No, I, I, I think that's the, that's the challenge is that I think for Democrats part, they think that this is really going to present an electoral challenge to Republicans to have, to have been in power, at least partially in power during the shutdown I think the Republicans believe that it reflects poorly on the Democrats. I'm not sure, to be honest with you, that if you were to ask most Americans at this point, that they would even realize a government shutdown still going on. Sure. Uh, I mean, yes. And those who realize it might not on. care. Right. And, and, and I don't, you know, if you look at the history of shutdowns, I'm not convinced that it ever really has an impact on electoral politics anyway. I agree. So I agree this, completely. This, this, this is even less of a situation. This is, this, this is even less of a meaningful situation, which, look, look I mean, I'm not, I'm not for the government staying shut down indefinitely, but I also don't think that, you know, I think some in the media try to make this into a much bigger deal than it is. I, I, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Lonnie Chen of the Hoover Institution, Stanford University, is on the line. And, you know, I have a, just a, a little quibble. Um, and, well, not even a quibble. You mentioned that, you know, each side is portraying the other side's uh, position as un, uh, untenable or uh, immoral or, or unholy or whatever. Although, you know, when you get behind the, the politics of the moment, the Democrats have voted for a physical barrier over and over again. 
uh, fences, sure. walls, etc., where they're necessary, over and over again, including the very human beings who were speaking to us last night. Meanwhile, the president and the Republican Party have said over and over again, we're absolutely willing to talk about the DACA folks. We're willing to d- d- at least discuss a pathway to citizenship for the law-abiding who've been here a long time. There's tremendous common ground. This whole thing is just silly. Yeah, I mean, it, it is manufactured, and, and to your point, there's a deal that can be done here. We could, we could do this deal right now, and the deal is border funding, wall funding specifically, for DACA. And, and, and everyone knows the deal is out there. Everyone gets the joke on it, but no one's really willing to step up and say, okay, let's get this deal done. And, and look, part of it is because the political constituencies of the president and of Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and the Democrats are served by sticking to their guns. Either the president benefits from looking tough on this conflict because, you know, look, at the end of the day, I think there is relatively broad support for border security and specifically for some kind of physical barrier. And, and for the Democrats, I think their position is aided amongst their base by looking tough uh, on Trump. And so this is the challenge, that politics get in the way of what is a very easy policy solution. I saw Rahm Emanuel on one of the talk shows on Sunday, one of the sorts of shows you're on now and then, um, and and he was honest enough as a guy who's a wily veteran of the political game to 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 say out loud, honestly, and I really appreciated it. The president's better off with the issue than actually getting his wall going into 2020. That's part of the problem on both sides, isn't it? That they enjoy the issue better than the solution. That's been the challenge with immigration for many, many years. I mean, we, we've been talking about immigration reform in, in a serious way for over a decade now. You, you'll recall President George W. Bush in 2007 tried to make this a signature issue of the end of his presidency. And since then, we've been talking about immigration in varying forms. And so I think that th- th- this is the challenge that we have, is that the politics of immigration work better than the policy of immigration for all these different constituencies. And, and by the way, on, on your point, you make a really good point about Democrats having voted for border security over and over again. I think one of the challenges Democrats are going to have as this drags on is, how can they be for border security but not be for some kind of physical barrier? And are the thousands of miles of physical barrier we already have at the southern border therefore immoral? Should we tear down all of that physical barrier we already have? I mean, the, the position that they're in seems to me from a policy perspective, to be wholly untenable. I wish the president had said just what you just said. Right, and I wish America's media would ask those very plain-spoken, you know, like Midwestern values America questions of both sides. Look, wait, are you guys willing to make a deal? You're willing to grant that? Now, I'm hearing you're willing to grant that. You voted for it over and over again. What's the issue here? That, I just, I don't know, makes me crazy. This is no way to run a country. Lonnie Chen of the Hoover Institution and Director of Domestic Policy Studies uh, at Stanford University is on the line. Uh, Lonnie, you're, you're honest. You're smart. You say it like it is. We love talking to you. We know you're, you're uh, zooming around today. We appreciate the time. No, I appreciate the time with you guys. Great, and and let's talk again soon. Boy, that that last 30 seconds he had, if the president would have said that last night, it would have been great. The thousand of miles we have that you all voted for, should we tear that down because it's immoral? Right. That's a brilliant How are you going to answer that? It's brilliant in its simplicity. Well, they dodge it because politicians are good at dodging. Um, you know, it, it's probably worth chucking out. And listen, those of you who are new to the Armstrong and Getty How show. How would you dodge that question? That's a tough one. They're good at it. <laughs> listen, we, you know, we just try to figure out what's going on. 
and and sometimes it serves you know quote unquote our side on an issue. Sometimes we'll say, "Man, I wish our side was arguing it like this." So you know, if you swing one way or another, don't freak out because we'll come around to your side again soon enough. But um, what was I going to say? That was a, that was a lead up to a very important point I was going to make. The president. I don't know. I don't even remember what my point was going to be. Um, but it, I just don't. Oh, oh, oh! Here it is. Um, little Marco Rubio. It's always so thirsty. Drinking water. Sweats. You ever a lot. seen anybody drink water like that? Anyway, little Marco <laughs> was part of the gang of eight that tried to actually hash out a deal. And the way any deal is going to look. Well, gang of seven and a half. <laughs> wow. Was that in the midst of my careful analysis? A Marco Rubio is short joke. Yes. I think it was. That yes. was pathetic and childish. Uh, so anyway, the the gang of seven and a half they got together and they crafted a deal. And listen, if you're going to be realistic, a deal is going to include a little more than I'm comfortable giving, and a little more than you're comfortable giving. And it ruined him because he gave more on you know whatever immigration legalization whatever. Um, then uh, the uh, the core right wing voter was willing to give it ruined him. So you got Republicans who are terrified of going a little too far. Meanwhile, you've got Democrats who have so whipped up their constituency in this bizarre and false argument that to be for coherent immigration policy makes you a racist. There's no coming back from there. How do you bargain from that position? Well, that's what... All right, folks, we're going to be a little racist and we're going to fix this bent wall in El Paso. How do you call, how do you bargain from that position? That's what Lindsey Graham said. He said, as long as the loudest voices are calling us racist and immoral, this can't get solved. Yeah, so we got to tear down what's already built that you paid for because walls are immoral. Build bridges, not walls. Could this conversation get any dumber? It's hard to imagine. So Lonnie talking to people in D.C. who say this is going to go on for months. I don't. I, I, see, all the knowledgeable, uh, wonky people say that. How does it not go on for months? You just explained why it'd be very difficult to imagine it ending. I think it's going to collapse of its own stupidity. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think... The Armstrong and Getty show. <laughs> collapsing of its own stupidity. I don't think anybody cares enough. So you think it should just end one afternoon and nobody even notice? Yeah, everybody came to an agreement. grumbles, yeah, they, they gave in. We got the, the wall. Then over on the other side, they say, yeah, they gave in. All we're doing is building a little extra fence. And everybody would go back to their lives. You know, they could. I'll bet this would work, especially you get a couple of weeks in. On a Friday afternoon, it's announced that we've reached an agreement to reopen the government with promises to discuss the wall. End of story. That's what Chuck and Nancy asked for last night. And it's just open, and you just don't hear much about it. And and people don't care that much, so we just go on with our lives. I don't think the president's going to go for that. Would he have to sign it? He'd have to sign it, wouldn't he? Because this is a a big piece of legislation that has to go through House, Senate, and he has to sign it. So no, he won't sign that. Yeah. So that's what these so-called grown-ups in the room are trying to pull off. The old kick the can down the road maneuver again that everybody's done so many times, and he ain't having it. Right. And right. this could go on for months. Yeah. Months? Oh. Well, I'm wow. done talking about it. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I think one of the challenges Democrats are going to have as this drags on is, how can they be for border security but not be for some kind of physical barrier? 
And are the thousands of miles of physical barrier we already have at the southern border therefore immoral? Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Gapple says he was never given a chance to publicly apologize. Of course, I don't harbor any racist thoughts. They're not thinking through why on earth a guy of almost 20 years in this profession who's never been accused of anything like this before, why would I all of a sudden try to slip that in there? Boy, I'll tell you what, he must have done something terrible. This meteorologist who was fired for saying something racist. This story just galls me. It's astonishing to me. We'll play you the little clip of what he just said. I hope your children are not in the car. It's the way I looked out at Martin Luther King Jr. Park. He was referring to Martin Luther King Jr. Park. He did a slip of the tongue, which we all do in the broadcasting business multiple times per day. His happened to include a word that sounds like a uh, insensitive racial term. And I'm told that occasionally in the South, people do that phrase on purpose. They substitute that slur for Dr. King's last name. But um, <clears throat> this was clearly just a flub. And But he got fired. Uh, a couple of people on social media complained. Wrong. I'm looking at CNN here, Jack. A firestorm that engulfed social media. Firestorm engulfed social media. Phoniest, laziest brand of modern journalism. The online firestorm. Often, trolls, Russian bots, or the journalists themselves looking for a pretext to write an article. Yeah, I was looking at the, uh, and and so I'm watching the Today Show. And they put up on the screen a tweet from some activist from some group that you never heard of that maybe doesn't even really exist. Because it might be a Russian something or other. Right. Was somebody tweeting, this was no mistake. Oh, really? So you think, even if you believed that, what what would you think his goal was? Well, he wanted to finally fly his supremacist flag and go out in a blaze of glory. You can tell by the way he immediately apologized and said it was a slip of the tongue. I would never say anything like that. Because, you know, hardcore white supremacists are always doing that, immediately having outed themselves. This discussion is just, it doesn't make any sense. No sane human could possibly think this guy did this intentionally or or harbors secret desires to. I guess we're missing the point. We're preaching to the choir. I assume practically everybody, if not everybody listening to us right now, agrees. The the point of this is, one, almost certainly some trolls or, or, or Russian bots or whatever were involved in the so-called social media firestorm. And the TV station actually reacted to that bogus crap sure. by firing the guy. That's what we need to pay attention to because that's real. And that could happen to you at your job, whatever it is you do. I like that phrase we were discussing off the air, too, call-out culture, yes. which I'd been unfamiliar oh, with. i got all this in front of me, but I haven't read it, so I can't really do anything about it. Well, um, positive, Sean, a brief description of call-out culture. Uh, it is the, the way that a... Children, particularly those born after 1994, according to Jonathan Haidt, um, 
Uh, it is the it is the currency to which they gain prestige among their peers. Right, is by calling out injustices on behalf of other people and, and calling for blood. That's interesting. I hadn't uh, I hadn't thought about that or heard that before. But let me read a little of well, it. It's as ancient as can be. You what, see it uh, in fundamentalist religions all the time. Uh, and any group of young people are all concerned with prestige, and there's only so much to go around. So how do you get it? If you get prestige by being the best athlete, kids will compete for that. If you get it by being the most beautiful or the smartest, people will compete for that. Part of the call-out culture is you get credit based on what someone else said if you call it out, which can be good. We have a very tolerant generation on matters of race and gender and all that sort of stuff. Um, However, it has reached a level of personal vindictiveness where people go out of their way to find ways the things other people did could be construed as insensitive right. and then you get credit for tearing them down getting them to lose their job etc right. and if you have to manufacture that outrage uh, pretending a flub was intentional for instance or if you have to fake up the outrage itself that doesn't matter you still get the social currency for it and these people like you know the red guard in china or the khmer rouge in cambodia they are so enthused and so excited about being seen as the most enlightened of the enlightened. They don't care how many people bleed to get them that status. Well, this is interesting. Part of the doctrine of call-out culture is it's the impact, not the intent. So if you said it, if it came out that way, that's enough. It doesn't matter if you didn't intend to say it. Right. Right. Wow, that's crazy. Well, it's 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 frightening. It's terrifying. It's it's like it's a belief in belief in witchcraft that by this guy stumbling right. over his words and having said it, he uttered the incantation which brought forth the evil spirit from out of the enchanted butter jar or whatever. No, he just stumbled. Nothing happened. Racism is, uh, racism is repugnant. Some doofus weatherman stumbling over his words is not. Uh, who's writing this, Sean? He's got a lovely square uh, the, the Quoting Jonathan Haidt, uh, okay. co-author of the, the Coddling of the American Mind, gotcha. co-written with Greg Lukiano. He said, when I speak about this around the country, I ask if they have a call-out culture, and almost everybody says yes. I say, do you want that culture? And nobody says yes. Wow. Which is troubling. Wow. So and, people are simultaneously participating in it while realizing the dangers of this could be turned against me any moment, and this is not sustainable. And he said it coincides closely with the dramatic rise in mental the mental crisis among young, particularly for women, the suicides and all the stuff we've talked about. Mm-hmm. So you've got the fear that you could be on the wrong end of it at any moment. Right, right. It's as if only the 90% most uh, devout of the modern secular religion can survive. So you take great care to call out others to make sure they are the 10%, which is, you know, uh, crushed, killed, thrown aside, etc. So you can just live your life. So it's it's a vicious, vicious backstabbing over little or nothing uh, society. Sick. One thing is an employer like the, whoever fired this meteorologist needs to stand up to it for crying out loud. God, the cowardice. That's another topic. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, the wall brawl, both sides gearing up for another round this morning. Brace yourselves, my friends, for a guacamole shortage, and the (laughs) richest person in the world is getting divorced. Oh, boy. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
looking at CNN's coverage of this ridiculous weather man fired for accidentally uh, saying a naughty word uh, thing. And this writer. That was no accident, says this tweeter. Oh, please. This tweeter. You can find anybody saying anything on Twitter. This Marcus Mabry writing for CNN tries to make the case because he knows this is ridiculous and goes through all the people saying, look, he jumbled his words. I'm, you know, I'm a black man. I'm a black woman. And the guy's clearly just jumbled his words. But then uh, Mabry tries to make the case that black people have put up so with so much microaggressions and racism. Their nerves are raw. And it's very hard for them to hear this. and that. So he's in this incredibly condescending fashion, saying that black people are so whipped up and irrational, you can't ask them to be fair in judging this guy. It's incredibly condescending and wrong. Man. God, just the, the lust for conflict in the modern world. Even if there is no conflict, we got to whip some up. I'm telling you, it's unhealthy. It'll what? make you nuts. And you got to nail down what percentage of that conflict online was Russia. It's not even U.S. citizens anyway. Well, yeah, but I, th- I think trolls, the call-out culture, um, the people who are just looking for a little online fame, I wouldn't underestimate that. we got 300-some million people in this country, and a lot of you are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> News now with Marsha Phillips. Well, last night, President Trump again linked illegal immigration along the southern border with drugs and violent crime as he urged Democratic lawmakers to fund his proposed border wall and end the partial government shutdown. My administration is doing everything in our power to help those impacted by the situation. But the only solution is for Democrats to pass a spending bill that defends our borders and reopens the government. This situation could be solved in a 45-minute meeting. Today, the president is meeting with both Republicans and Democrats. Once again, congressional Dems say they'll head to the White House with their plan to reopen the government. That's the same plan they've been presenting all along. They're asking the president to accept a bipartisan bill to fund border security without any money for the wall. Which he has said no way. I think he's in a position politically now where he he can't possibly agree to no funding for the wall. They've said not one dollar, which is... I know, a ridiculous position, given right. the fact that many of these same people funded hundreds of other miles of walls. But whatever, that's their position. I, I just don't see how this gets solved. God, we're going to be months into this thing. Mm. We don't have to talk about it every day. Nope. Meanwhile, Democrat Senate leader Chuck Schumer says the ongoing partial shutdown is hurting hundreds of thousands of affected government employees. The shutdown is hurting millions of Americans. It's going to get worse. All because of President Trump's temper tantrum. All right. There have been so many shutdowns, and each side blames the other. We've seen this show before, and we didn't like it. (laughs) On another note, a doctor at University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics giving yet another warning about the overuse of antibiotics. The doctor, Daniel Liversey, says taking too many antibiotics can do more harm than good because bacteria builds up a resistance to its effects. This is yet another in a string of these kind of warnings. Now, this was my prediction for how mankind comes to an yes. end or is substantially reduced. Might not be extinction, but, you know, 
We can become like the third most important species on the planet after dolphins and apes. Some killer superbug that's developed yep. through overuse of bi- uh, bi- uh, antibiotics. I, I completely understand that this has been going on for a long time and that things that clearly are a virus that are going to run their course, they give you antibiotics for. But there's also so many of the doctors that this is such a thing for them, you cannot get antibiotics. You have to be sick for so dang long before you can get any antibiotics. Mm. It's really tough. And then, you, then you, this is a reason to doctor shop because then you get a different doctor that you know takes a more reasonable approach. And then there are some that hand it out just because you ask because they don't want to have to deal. Right. With it. Well, reminds to me doctor of the, shop. Do you have your club card? <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of the uh, the painkiller dilemma where the junkies seem to be able to get their pills, but people who legitimately right. yeah. need the pills right. run into uh, well, your prescription's out. You know, it's, it's troubling. There is the very real possibility of a guacamole shortage for Super Bowl Sunday. Great, Scott. An avocado growers organization says a fuel shortage may prevent avocado farmers in Mexico from shipping their fruit to the U.S. in time for the big game. Didn't they try this bogus uh, scare tactic last year to get the Avocado Society mentioned? Was there a fuel shortage? Yeah, that's what they're saying. Fuel. They're talking about a fuel shortage, so... Or maybe it's just an excuse to uh, get to avocado get newscasters across to America up. to talk about guacamole and avocado. Oh, oh, so you think about wow, we should have some guac at our party. Sure. Wow, you're so smart. If you need a Jack newscast to remind you to have guacamole at your Super Bowl party, <laughs> don't invite me to your Super Bowl party. That's the sort of thinking that led guacamole to be the number seven gourd in American uh, diets, and they're going for number four. So Sam, who <laughs> I don't is, think they're gourds. Sam, who is eight, really wanted to chip dip for New yeah. Year's Eve. It was going to be. It was the first New Year's Eve. He really understood what was going on, and he wanted to stay up till midnight and make a party out of it. Nice. And he had some root beer that Hanson gave me for Christmas. Nice. He had a root beer float. He played video <laughs> games on his new video game thing, and he, he wanted chip and dip and stay up till midnight. Like real, potato real chips and dip, like onion dip, that sort of thing? Or? Well, he wanted guacamole, he okay. thought. So we went off to the store to buy avocados, and I bought them that were too ripe or not ripe enough or something. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know it was such a thing. Yeah, I got no, home, my so wife said, you can, I can't make guacamole out of these. Mm. They're avocados. What are you supposed to make guacamole no, out of? No, 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 no. <laughs> Underripe or overripe, right. you're doomed. Right. There's a sweet spot. you got to uh, find I it. I had no idea. It's part of the part of the burger. It's very it, disappointing. How do you know a, a ripe? Is it feel, smell? What, what it's, the, it's, it's feel. The, uh, yeah, firmness. Okay. And the big news this morning, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos and his wife McKinsey have announced on Twitter that they are calling it quits after being married for 25 years. Wow. Bezos tweeting as our family and close friends. Amazon yesterday announced is the most valuable company yep. in the world. And he and his wife are splitting. Yep. They have uh, decided uh, to uh, divorce and continue our shared lives as friends. The 54-year-old Bezos, the world's richest person with Forbes reporting a real-time worth of over $137 billion. And it's not clear right now if the couple has a prenup. $137 billion. I hate to see him have to live on half of that. Right. (laughs) So he... He's the richest legal person in the world. Yeah. Putin's yeah. the richest person in the world, yeah. probably. And uh, he's been miserable for quite some time now, I guarantee you. He and his wife, with all that money. I mean, if they're getting a divorce, they're almost certainly miserable. Apparently mm-hmm. there was some sort of trial separation going yeah. on for some some sort of time, too. Yeah, this, this doesn't seem trade, sudden. You wouldn't want to trade places with him the last several years, probably. Or her. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Oh, boy. I wouldn't want to trade places with her because I'm straight. 
I mean, Who, so that'd be really weird if I was with Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Who's the world's richest newly single guy end up dating, I wonder? <sighs> Careful, Jeff. Careful. Call Michael Avenatti. <laughs> Ask him about dating once you... Uh... Oh, yeah, that's right. The, uh, the That whole incident in SoCal, Southern California. Right. The actress, 25-year-old actress. Her. I'm sure he'll do okay, but... Yeah, can you imagine what's going to come at him with that much money involved? I've spent my life imagining that. <laughs> or, or her. <laughs> or her. Uh, yeah. yeah. I've got a call in, just saying. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. So the meteorologist that got fired for accidentally saying something, well, if he had said it on purpose, it would be racist, but it was a slip of the tongue. Right. Uh, And he got fired anyway, even though he said that's it. Obviously, when you listen to it, it's not what he's trying to say. But so this has happened several times. There are three people that have accidentally said that on the news over the years. Two of them been fired. One of them kept their job. At that station or no, just in around Amer- the country? In America. In 2005, it happened in Chico, California. Somebody sent this link to me from a, uh, a newspaper article. Actually, it's a Fox News article. A weekend television weatherman was fired after he made an on-air racial slur. N- no, he didn't really make a racial slur. Well, the sound came out of his mouth. Um, station official said, Ron Blair of KTNV in Chico was delivering the extended forecast Saturday when he said, for tomorrow, 60 degrees, Martin Luther Blank King Jr. Day, King Jr. Day, going to see some temperatures in the mid-60s. Jim Panther, Prather, rather, Jim Prather. I vice say, Jim Panther, can I switch names? Jim Prather, who might be listening to us right now, vice president and general manager of the ABC affiliate, said Blair stumbled, but the excuse was not enough to save his job. This kind of incident is not acceptable under any circumstances. You're a numbskull. I hope you get the feeling back to your skull. How do you say that out loud? I know. It's it's just words. This is but such an odd culture the, we're living in. On the other hand, if I had, I don't know, we got a traffic girl. And there's a town called Fark. And every time, she doesn't do it on purpose. Right. But she regularly, <laughs> you know, three-fifths of the time drops an F-bomb. It's high school football Friday. Good luck, Fark. But every other week she gets it backwards. Hard Fark primary. Go blank, Lark. Yeah, right. You know, you you couldn't have it happen repeatedly. Well, right. Even right. though it's not on purpose. Right. After a while, it'd just be too much of a headache. But there, there's no indication that that guy did it repeatedly. No. You're dealing with an irresponsible hypothetical. I won't have it. <laughs> But how about saying that out loud as the boss who did what is good and decent by firing the guy? This kind of incident is not acceptable under any circumstances. What What? kind of incident? What? Describe the incident to us, please. (laughs) Well, a guy stumbling and the sound that came out of his mouth being a bad word. Again, if it's all the time, yeah, I get it. (laughs) Yeah, God God help us all in the broadcast business or any business. What if you accidentally say that standing up in your, uh, your little conference room in front of a bunch of people? You're done. 
No, I didn't mean that. It was a... Sorry, you're out. Slip of the tongue. That's no mistake. What? Wow. Wow. Well, that's in United, the, the take two. That's in the... I'm glad I didn't stumble and say something untoward. Right? Right? My career would be over. That's the United States, Jack. Meanwhile, in Canada, there's a crisis as more and more people trying to steal from, I guess, donation boxes are getting caught on the protective devices they're in and dying in the donation boxes. You got like a big clothing donation box. Uh, This happens to be uh, uh, the Diabetes Association collecting old clothes are going to sell them, whatever. I saw one of those just the other day. Yeah. A Canadian lady tried to crawl in, evidently, and they have like teeth so you can't pull stuff out. Um, and, 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 and she got caught and ended up dying before anybody found her in there, 34 years old. It's tragic, obviously. What are you doing, you dumb dumb? Yeah, but, 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 but is this people donating clothes to the needy and then people who need clothes trying to get them? And or getting just cut? they're thieves, yeah. Well, that is the seventh Canadian to die in such a fashion in recent years. Not a good look, Canada. Number one, Canada, check yourself. Number two, uh, Charles Darwin has uh, every bit as uh, much right to do his job as you have to do yours. Let him do his job. <laughs> They're talking about banning donation bins in Canada. Wow. Because there's too many Canuckers who are getting killed. That's that's the answer. Make it make it harder to help people in need. That's what you want to do. Right, because, because lowlifes are uh, doing this. Yeah, now they do mention in 2017. It'd be a, 50, a pretty gruesome way to go. Are they just in there until they run out of food and water? I guess. I don't know. My understanding of the icy north is that it gets quite chilly over exposure. Yeah. I didn't dress for being suspended halfway into a donation bin. <laughs> uh, a. In 2017, a 56 year old Pennsylvania woman died under similar circumstances. Her arm became stuck in the bin when a step stool she was on gave way under her. She was dropping off clothes. Now, that is a tragedy. Oh. They think uh, homeless have been trying to take shelter in the bins as well, not realizing there's a you-can-come-in-but-you-can't-come-out mechanism. But again, it's the needy trying to get clothes that were donated to the needy. That's that's the problem I have with it. If you're a homeless person who needs a coat and somebody donated coats by putting them in the bin, there's got to be a better way. Maybe you put a little rack outside them. Look, don't crawl in a bin. Here's some nice coats. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I still would like to have more of those. I like those, but I would like to solicit more of those for those of you of uh, any talent whatsoever. Oh, the little uh, theme song for Final Thoughts? Exactly. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody. Hey, Marshall Phillips, go ahead. Final thought. You know, I was just thinking about this. We were talking about the red-haired girl from New Rochelle that I uh, met when I went back east. Reminded me of how amazing it is these days. I'll bet uncomfortable, but you can fly from one coast to another in less than six hours. I mean, to me, that's mind-boggling. When you Elon, go Musk, Elon Musk gets his Hyperloop going, it'll take you like an hour. Huh? <laughs> Indeed. You going to go see her? I'm thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, just show up at her doorstep. Keep us up to date. All right. Just show up at her home. That's yeah, right. right. Positive Sean, final thought. Yeah, thrilled that there's no ridiculous presidential speeches and counterpoints going on tonight. My evening is mine now. Yeah, good <laughs> one. Yeah, no kidding. Michelangelo, board operator, final thought. Yeah, instead of trying to get attention by calling out others on social media, how about you streak a sporting event instead? Nobody <laughs> gets fired. <laughs> 
Uh, Jack, uh, would you like to share a final thought with everybody? Similar to what Sean was saying, unless something dramatic happens, I think we should have a prohibition on even discussing this tomorrow. I, can't, I don't want to hear about this for the next however many months till they figure it out. It is tired, isn't oh, it? Oh, my God. This topic wants to lie down. My final thought is, Canada, you ban the donation boxes, you're going to have to ban mailboxes. And probably, like, shipping boxes. And and those, uh, like, one-way things where you drive into the rental car lot, but you can't back up. You're going to have Canadians <laughs> dying on those. I, just, I don't know. Maybe put up a sign. Hey, don't crawl in here, eh? Need to see our Canadian brothers dying like they are. Gotta love the teeth in the floor at the, the rental car return. There's something cool. It's funny. It freaks my wife out. She hates going over them. It's just scary. <laughs> what does she think might happen? I don't know. I don't know. Something might happen. I might have to stop and back up a foot and then pop. <laughs> I don't know. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Who am I to make fun of Canadians? So many people to thank so little time. You want to email us? Go to mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. If you see something we ought to be talking about, you have an opinion you want, you want to register, whatever. Seriously, create You're a Canadian. You need help desperately. Create a groovy new little thing for final thoughts. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. Hold on a sec. I'm going to get me a beer. Armstrong and Getty.